Hey, how's it going everyone? Nice warm welcome to you for joining me um, on this episode of Financial Thoughts Podcast. Um, you know, these podcasts are really just to to kind of, I guess, inform, um, educate a little bit, you know, take you on my journey as well. And I guess as part of that journey, you might as well know the history of it. You might as well know, you know, the business I've, I've kind of, I've tried before, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, the lessons I've learned so that you don't really have to make those mistakes. Um, this podcast is never really intended to be, um, you know, completely personal podcast. I'm not looking to be a YouTuber and, you know, vlog about everything and, you know, tell you what I've had for breakfast and all that. Um, really, I just wanted to give value with it um, and sh- kind of present, I guess, an- another option, really, uh, you know, aside from the, the job thing. Um, and just, just give you you know, different things that you might want to look into that you could use for yourself in your life, maybe give you an extra side hustle, extra income, maybe a full-time job, whatever. But, you know, with with these podcasts as well, you know, look at it as, as something that you want to take action on also. Like, you don't want to just listen to them for entertainment. You actually want to, some of the stuff I'm saying, like, you could do now, you know what I mean? So you want to kind of take that on. So having said that, this is not really going to be a personal one, like a personal... Uh, channel I guess Um, I'm going to make this one completely personal and talk about my business (laughs) journey up until now so yeah so the idea of it is uh, you know just let you know kind of what you know what I've done in the past where what's taken what I've done in the past that's taken me up to where I am now Um, you know that whole journey what you can learn from it what you what, what I learned from it what you um, might want to take or you know you might want to want to take anything from it I don't know um, and when I say where I am now I just mean where I'm in a journey not that I've made it or anything like that because I definitely haven't um, and I don't think well without getting too deep I don't think you can I don't even know what making it is to be honest but you know I'm, I'm further than where I was before so that's that's a journey in itself so anyway so um, so yeah it starts on a, on a cold rainy night January the 9th, 1985. Nah, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not gonna go into everything. Um, nah, but basically, when I was younger, I used to, I used to always be interested in business. I, I can't even tell you why. Like there was no one, there was no one really. You know, my parents weren't into entrepreneurship or businesses or whatever, um, and there was no one really around me um, that was into entrepreneurship. For some reason, I was just. I can't even tell you what age it was or whatever, but. I just remember always being kind of fascinated with the idea of, you know, having buying something and then being able to sell it for more. I can't, like I said, I can't explain it. The only explanation I've got is that my grandma um, is really entrepreneurial. Um, she sells on eBay to this day. She sells Hawaiian shirts. I don't know what the what the shop name is, but I'll try. Maybe I'll put down a link or something. But yeah, so when when I started with eBay, I kind of went to her to to give me some advice and. You know more. I'll, I'll get into that obviously uh, later on in this podcast. Um, but yeah, she she's pretty much the only one in my family that was really entrepreneurial. Um, she made did a lot of business in Nigeria, and has always had that kind of you know if you talk to her, she's always got that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, which I admire. Like when when I see it in people, I just admire it automatically. It's not that it's the most admirable trait or whatever, but it's just something that I always aspired to be. So when I saw it in someone else, um, you know, I really noticed it and really kind of. I guess try to learn from it. Um, you could say. So, so with me. So with that in mind, like I, you know, I'm, 
can't I can't say that I was explicit. It's not even that I wanted it. I don't, I can't remember really wanting things. Like I'll get ideas in my head, but like yeah, I want a go kart. I want you know whatever. But I I wasn't you know just like a normal kid. You just want toys. But I never really like it. It was separate. So the business thing was separate from from wanting stuff. If if you like, um, it to me it's always like a like a game. Like a you know like a little thing that you could do and you could make money and like, you know, I always wonder why, you know, everyone else wasn't really doing it. So the first idea I had was when I was in primary school um, and basically I borrowed, I think I bought a tape off of someone, Oasis Wonderwall, is what it is, <laughs> don't judge me, I was about 10 I think. And um, yeah, so I bought it for like a pound and then, I don't know, it just struck me that, wait a minute, like I can record, I can make more tapes and I could record these onto blank tapes and people would want them. Like, there's a demand for them. That's what really was key to me. There, there's a demand for these tapes. Um, so I sh- why can't, what's stopping me just recording them and selling them to other people? So I was, I was so excited. Like This idea was just bobbling around in my head for like a day or a couple of days or whatever. And I told my mum and, you know, I was so excited. I was like, oh man, like I've, I've cracked it. I think <laughs> I've cracked this business game. Like this, this thing was easy. Um, you know, if I do this, I'm gonna make money. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make more money than anyone, anyone in my school. You know, at ten especially. So I told my mum. My mum was like, "No, nah, can't do that. That's illegal." <laughs> so, yeah. So that that really, and then it never occurred to me that it was the legalities of, of selling tapes or copy tapes or whatever. Like when I say tapes, I mean literal cassette tapes. I know we're going back here, um, but yeah, it never it never occurred to me the legalities of it, and I just it kind of, I, it, I felt really bad, like it really disappointed me because I thought, wow, this is a great idea. Um, this is going to be life-changing and then all of a sudden it just gets cracked down. And obviously that's, that is a lesson in business. Like you're going to have ideas and, you know, when you do the research, you're going to you're gonna come up against it and they're going to say, listen, you can't do this for whatever reason. Um, so anyway, so moving on from that, like my next thing or next investment you could say um, there's at one point I really got into comic books. I think it was about 11, 10 or 11 as well. So I don't know, it might it's probably recent to this last story that I was talking about. Um, and I like I like the idea of comic books. Like I, I like them, but then I realized um, that they're just worth money. So I started off with these cars. You could just buy these X-Men cars. I think they were 96 or 95. Really, I really got attracted to the artwork of it. I thought they were amazing. Like the way it was done, they were amazing to look at. Um, and they were collectible, so there's like 150 cards or whatever. Um, and then I realized, like, when they stopped selling it, these cards were worth money. So this kind of got me into like the whole comic comic book thing, and you know, going to comic shops. Shops. There was one in Croydon. I'm from South London originally, um, so there was one in Croydon that they had in the in shops, and I used to love going there and just you know just <laughs> spending all my money basically. Um, but what was weird was that a lot of the times I wouldn't even read the comic books. I wasn't into like, you know, particular series or anything like that. Although I like some more than the others. But what I was into is getting these number ones, getting these limited edition ones, finding out which ones were the potentially collectible ones, you know, like ones with silver covers and limited edition stuff and, and all this kind of stuff. So, and there's, you know, so I found out there was like this thing called the Silver Age of Comics. So if you buy comics in the 60s, um, these are probably the most valuable. And I managed to get like four of them. So funny story, one of them was the, was Fantastic Four. I think it was number 53, which is the, if any comic book fans out there, is the first ever appearance of Black Panther. 
yeah, yeah, the, the same Black Panther that's in the cinemas now. Um, well, if you watch, if you listen to this in the future, um, you know, it was in the cinemas in 2018. And so I bought that comic for, for £10. It was in terrible condition, though. It was probably grade three or something like that, or 10. Um, so I bought that for £10. And I remember when I bought it, uh, my stepdad's mum, or stepgrandma or whatever, um, she actually was shocked because I, I think she gave me the £10. And then we went to like this shopping shopping market or whatever. And I saw this comic, I was like, yo, I've got to get this comic book, this this thing. <laughs> this, I've got to get it. I, didn't, I don't even think I know knew that much about Black Panther, but I just knew it was the first appearance of someone in the 60s. Like, this is gold. Like, So I bought it, I was happy. Yeah, yeah, mom, guess what? I bought this comic book. How much was it? £10. £10. And then, um, so my step-grandma found out. And she didn't have a go at me, but she had a go. She was just, you know, moaning about it. Basically, she was like, oh, "I can't believe, like, how can how can a child of ten years old spend ten pound on a co- on one comic book?" <laughs> so obviously, it was like, you know, but it, it was must have been um, hard to understand, I guess, for anyone, I guess, for any adult at that, you know, a ten year old kid paying ten pound at that time. Say, I don't know what ten pound would be worth. So this is you talk about ninety six, ninety seven. So maybe. You know, maybe maybe it's equivalent of like forty pound. No, it can't be. I don't know. I don't know what it's equivalent, but it's a lot of money anyway um, for a kid to be spending. So, yeah. So so I bought it, kept it, um, and now like looking on eBay, a good condition. That that comic book, that same comic book in good condition is worth. They're selling it for three grand, right? So mine's maybe worth like five hundred pound, but. You know, but sad side of the story. I actually um, left it in one of my ho- one of the houses I lived in at uni, along with my other little com- my other you know comic book collection. I don't even know. I can't remember. I remember some of the stuff. I can't remember all of it. Um, and yeah, I left it. I left it in one of the houses when I moved out to avoid <laughs> paying rent the last month's rent. So I kind of escaped, and then I forgot it because I left it in the attic. So. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's all down the drain. I'm actually disappointed about that. But it is what it is, man. And I guess what's interesting interesting is just the mindset I had then. Because it's, it's weird to think back. Like, why a 10-year-old, why would a 10-year-old be thinking about what's valuable, you know, or what could be potentially valuable? So it's quite, um, without blowing my own trumpet or whatever, um, it's quite forward thinking at that time, I guess. Um, but I think in general, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like... But, I think those type of investments are great because you're it's something that you're you're kind of you're interested in, but also you can make money. So you, you want to learn more. You want to know more about the characters and about the uh, you know what's what makes something valuable and all that. So I think you know things like antiques and collectibles and all that kind of stuff. Like if it's stuff you're interested in, I think it's definitely worth getting into it. You know, I've I've kind of to make up for it. I've kind of you know had. Uh, feelings to, to get back into it and to buy all my old comics but nah I probably won't do it um, but yeah no it's, it's yeah, it was an interesting experience so I think that that like, I probably stopped doing it properly when I was about 13, 14 maybe younger even um, but yeah but actually it was, uh, my cousin came along with me one time and he kind of got into it I don't know I, I don't know if I can be credited <laughs> for him for, for, for him you know entirely but he, he's built up like a massive collection of comics I know he started selling some stuff on Amazon as well so he's done quite well from that and I think he had more of a passion for it than me even though I, maybe I brought him into it um, or let him know more about you know the comic book shops and stuff like that he he just had more of a passion for it he, he likes drawing as well 
so you know hopefully he does some some good stuff with it um in terms of his own artwork i'll try and find out about that um but yeah so he's 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 done pretty well i think i don't know he hasn't made a business out of it but it's just it's, the point is it's something that he loved to do um so he did it so i think that's that's always important to to have something that you love to do that there always has to be that side of it there always has to be the passion behind it um to be successful um so what happened next so yeah, so, so, so by now, I'm, I'm really starting to get into this uh, business thing a lot more. So I'm, um, hold on. So at my school, it was quite, it was quite, actually, it was quite entrepreneurial, actually. It's quite a few people um, doing different things, making money on the side. Um, no, not, not just, not drugs. Uh, a couple of people were selling drugs, I guess, but just weed, but yeah, it was nothing crazy. Um, but no, there was, there was a... There was a lot of people selling computer games. So at, the, at, at these times, um, you know, not everyone had CD writers, CD copiers in their computer. So it wasn't easy to, to just burn CDs, for example. I mean, now you don't even need CDs. My, my computer doesn't, doesn't even really take CDs, I don't think. Um, but obviously at the time, everything was CD-ROMs. Computers were just really, you know, getting mainstream and whatnot. So it was a big market for computer games, copied computer games, if you could do it. You needed a lot of technological knowledge at that time to be able to do it. And there's one guy that had that, um, Jason English, I guess I'll shout him out. Um, but he, he built up like a, you know, he had almost like a monthly game thing or something like that, game compilation where he'll have a few games on one CD, people will buy it. And I saw him, I was like, wow, this, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive, man. He's doing quite well. So I was trying to find a niche for myself in that field. And what I came up with, what I did is I, I think, how old, maybe I was 14, something like that, 14, I'll say. And I saved up all my Christmas money, all the money I saved over the year. Um, I bought a CD writer for £150 from the local computer shop, I remember. I had to learn how to install it myself, I had to do the whole thing. And my idea was basically to do music CDs. So I started off a business doing music CDs. Um, oh yeah, there was a name. <laughs> yeah. It was like Gold Gold Bar Entertainment or something. <laughs> Literally just remember that. Um, yeah, so yeah, the name of it was Gold Bar Entertainment for some reason or Gold Gold Bar or something like that. And so yeah, so I would just copy CDs. So I'd either I'd do all my CDs that I had already. And these times you got to understand it's like unless you unless your family was rich, you always got those families where they had like tons of stack of computer games and stacks of cds and all that you know you go around to the house you're like how the hell did they get these but for most people if, if you were like me anyway you had you had maybe like three cds to last you a year per year <laughs> three albums so it was a lot of borrowing a lot of that kind of stuff you had to do if you wanted to keep up to date um you know and cds weren't cheap cds weren't cheap back then um this was maybe we're talking 97 98 99 um cds weren't cheap so your standard album was like 14 15 pound 12, or 12 to 15 pound and then you had import so you literally couldn't like if you liked american music for example like me like hip-hop you literally couldn't get like a like they wouldn't produce it here they wouldn't produce a cd here so you wouldn't be able to get it so you had to you had to get an import version which was like 20 pound or whatever and that's a lot then and that's just for one album just because it's imported because they don't feel the demands enough. So a lot of, you know, black music, a lot of hip hop music, R&B, whatever, was a lot of it was imports if it didn't get an official UK release. So my idea was just to copy all these 
and just you know sell them for like five pound each copied cds obviously the legalities weren't didn't bother me that much anymore uh, you know i was trying to make money so so that that went okay um you know I, I, what i think about it now is weird because again i spent 150 pound on a bloody cd writer of all the things you can buy at that time um you know a cd writer i bought so that yeah that was weird um so yeah so it did all right so we went in the playground i remember the first day i did it did it with my friend ashley who's actually a producer now like he does some big stuff so nah, shout out to ashley um, but he helped me go around get people's orders so we what we did is we took a deposit of like a pound or a couple pound um so they'll say they want x y and z if i didn't have it i'll literally i'll go to the shop buy it um copy it and then take it back very bad i know but i did it um so we'll take deposits and then we'll we'll um you know uh come in with a cd sell it to them blah 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 job done so yeah that did all right um I, I think my problem was I just got a bit lazy with it. Like, I didn't really... <laughs> like, I think, well, my, one of my main problems, I guess, in business in general is, is I'm very good at getting the thing going. But then when it comes to, like, the day-to-day, -day, you know, I'm, I'm slacking. So that's something I've obviously had to work on myself. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was cool. Um, but then, obviously, you know, that it dies out. When everyone starts getting their own CD writers and whatnot, the business died out. So I think it maybe it lasted, like, a year or maybe two years or whatever. And that was it. Um, and there, there was a oh yeah I remember yeah I used to go to computer fair you know it's all about getting the cheapest blank CDs and all that kind of stuff but yeah so it lasted about a year or two and then yeah that was it and then um, I kind of I got into DJing a bit which I've started again now actually um, so I got Dex my uncle hooked me up um, so yeah, so I, you know, I managed. I got a couple of turntables and that. So I just really got into DJing. So I guess in my head, I was thinking oh, it'd be great if I get gigs and I can buy more records and all that kind of stuff. But it never really happened. Saying that, I did a mix mixtape or mix CD in in college. So just before I went uni, so I was about seventeen. I produced. I mixed like my own CD with the help of a few people. Um, and uh, you know, I tried to sell that around uh, college or around sixth form. Went to the same uh, went to the same sixth form for as I did secondary school. So, and then what I did to market it, there was a couple guys who had uh, a disagreement or whatever. So I got one of them. I think they both rapped or they both said they rapped anyway. And I, so I got one of them to put their track on my CD. And it was probably a mistake. It caused a bit of controversy or whatever. Uh, maybe I'll show, I don't know. I don't know if I show. It was all fun and games, isn't it? Um, so what happened? The other guy came back, and it was a whole thing. Like, but, I, but anyway, well, I, I honestly wasn't concerned. Like, there was a lot of feelings. A lot of feelings were running about. People, people were getting, getting not emotional, but you know, just uh, you know, not happy about this or that. But for me, it was always more about the business thing, and it was hard. To, it, a lot sometimes when when you get into these things, it's hard to separate the emotions from the business. Um, especially with people around you so um, I didn't I can't remember how many I sold maybe 20 something or 30 or whatever so maybe I made like 100 quid off of it which I was I was pretty happy with it because it was something I wanted to do um, so yeah but but one thing um, I guess I learned from it is that you do the controversy is probably not the best thing but you do need some kind of selling point you need something that's really going to grab some, grab people's attention and um, because if I just drop that CD, 
people wouldn't have been interested. It would have just been like a you know a kid making a doing a project. It wouldn't. It wasn't that interesting. It's just music that you know people probably had already. Or I was. I mean, even with the music, I was trying to do give stuff that wasn't that people wouldn't have had. So I got a lot of imported records and stuff. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I guess, I guess that's that's really what I learned is that you need you need some set. You always need a niche. You need a selling point. Something that's standing out. Something that's gonna stand out. And something that people are just gonna I don't know just catch people's attention. I think a lot of times you can make a project because I could have I could have made a complete passion project and been like yeah you know this this is oh this really means so much to me and blah blah blah, which is fair enough to do. Um, but at the same time, there's no reason for people to be interested in in it. So it's it's very important to go to the consumer and think think like think outside the box and think like what do they actually want? What's going to grab their attention? What's going to make them buy this CD over not buying it or buying another CD or whatever? And I stood firm like with the pricing. I wanted to make it five pound. I remember it was five pound a copy, and you know people would be like four pounds. Like no nah, no nah, can't do it because you know you have to cost it properly. So yeah so that I mean it was an interesting experience. I probably wouldn't do anything like that, and also it's you know it's putting out negativity and all that, so that's that's not cool. But you know it was, it was an experience, isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, hold on. So next up, uh, so I started uni. I went came to High Wycombe, still here, and uh, what we well I came up with a couple of guys from from sixth form from um, at my secondary school. And we got a house here, and we did. Um, we started doing well. We did music industry management was a degree, so that was around the music industry. And I think for one of the, I can't remember who was part of the course or whatever, but we always wanted to like put on our own events. I definitely wanted to. I wanted to do it in in um, London. I wanted to do something something in Croydon. So when I came to uni, or when we all came to uni, it was like a great opportunity to do something like this because we're, you're encouraged to do it. And um, you know it's it's perfect perfect breeding ground. Like everyone wants to go out, market's right there. It's the perfect. It's almost like the perfect business to do, especially at uni or in a uni town. Um, so we did, uh, I think it's called Fresh or something like that, which was the one of the one of the lecturers had a fresh night every week, and he let us take over one week. So we took over. And you know it was, a, it was a great. I mean, I loved it, man. And we really got into it. So we we called the thing explicit content. We made T-shirts. Like it was it was fun. Like we were like you know at the time we were almost like celebrities around campus. Like just for putting those events on. Um, so it was, it was you know it was really fun doing it. And like I'm not sure that we made a lot of money. I think with us it was more. I, I mean, obviously we wanted to make money, but it was just. Uh, I think the issues were like something like we to get to get decent people down. So we got a lot of um, good artists down. I don't know if you, you might not know them or whatever, but we got like Master Steps, DWE, DWE and Footsie. Um, who else did we get? Skinny Man. Uh, who else was there? There's a there's a few artists, but the problem was that these artists cost like five hundred pound. It was an urban event, so I think the uni charged us like five hundred pound on top of that. So. You know, you had to make a lot, and then also with student prices, student um, prices or student ticket prices, they never really wanted to spend a lot. So if if these were going on in clubs in London, you could maybe charge like twenty pound even. But for us, like we could only charge five five to ten pound max, ten pound maximum. So if you get um, 
you know, a few hundred people, 200 people, whatever, 300 people, three grand, but then you've got to pay out all these things, you've got to pay out other DJs, um, flyers, whatever. So, and then worse, worse of all, there was about, I think there was five of us doing it. So because there were so many, once you split the money, it's it's hardly anything. Do you know what I'm saying? What's good about it is, is that you can, you've got more of a pool to go to. You've got more, um, you know, so, so say there's five of us, one of us can, has maybe like a, does a different class so they can get all those people or, you know, you can spread around and you can you can create more of a buzz if you've got more people. So that was one of the advantages. And then obviously if you need money, you can put in, you can all put in like, whatever, 200 pound and then you've got a grand all of a sudden. The problem is that once all the sales are taken and once all the money's taken, there's not much left over once you split it five ways. So this, this was, it wasn't necessarily a problem because I think we were just enjoying the time doing it. Um, but in terms of making money and in terms of making a business out of it, I think five people is just too much. I think you've really got to have maybe one person doing it and then, you know, a few people underneath him or whatever or, or like a partnership or something. I think five people at the head of the table is just too much. Um, that, that's what I saw anyway. So, yeah, so I think we did uh, three or four events uh, as explicit content and it, it, was pretty, it was good, it was fun. But like I said, in terms of making money, there wasn't really much there. Um, also around that time, I was looking into like eBay and... Uh, you know, kind of online sales and all that. And I didn't really get anywhere with it, I've got to be honest. Like, it was, I just, for one, it was. I think it was quite hard doing it in a student house, number one. Because what, what my idea was, was basically buying bulk stock from eBay and then selling it back on eBay, but one, 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 one. So I bought a couple of things. I bought, like, these Prada tracksuits. And the problem with eBay is that there's a lot of fake stuff, or there was anyway at this time, which was about 2004, 2005. There was a lot of fake stuff on there, so you never really knew what you were getting. So I, there was even one time I bought like 50 pairs of, was it 50? I can't remember how much, I can't remember how many pairs, maybe 20, 20 pairs or 50 pairs or something of Visu. Also, I, I've got to say as well, I had so much money in uni. I had a crazy amount of money because this was just before the fees got hacked up to nine grand a, a term or nine grand a year. So the fees were like three grand. All my fees were paid for me anyway. I had a job on the side. I was working at Staples a couple of days a week, um, making money there. I got every kind of grant going. You get four grand for loans. I had so much money. Like, it was crazy. I was just buying clothes, records, like everything. So that's why I could do these things. That's why I could, like, you know, put money in for these events. And also, um, you know, put money in for, for eBay just to experiment with it. Um, so yeah so it was crazy but also I really that only lasted like the first year or a year and a half or something like that after that I was broke and that's that's a good lesson for me in money management because my money management was all over the place with that it's just but I guess it's just a thing where you've never had that much money before so obviously you know to, to say to like an 18 year old kid um, you know here's, here's five grand in your account like make sure you're cool with it like if no nah, I don't wish it was now because it was you know, you make your mistakes in it, you live through them. But at the same time, like I would have, if I had the knowledge I had now, it would have been completely different. Like I would have probably saved that money. I reckon I could have got out with 10 grand out of uni. Um, and I mean, that would have been amazing to start with 10 grand. But then maybe, you know, you would have tried something else and wasted that as well. So it is what it is, you know. But I definitely, I learned my lesson with that. 
Right, so, yeah, so with the eBay thing, like, I bought a few things in there, and then I was getting fakes, and I was trying to sell them back, and then they were, like, not letting me sell them back because they're fake. So I just had all these things. So I think a lot of the time I was just giving them away or selling them to, like, local people or whatever, but definitely didn't make my money back. Had tons of stuff just lying about. And it's basically, basically the problem was I just didn't know the game in it. I didn't know, you can definitely make money on eBay, but I just didn't know how to, how to do it properly. Um, so that's that's part that's a that's my kind of gift and curse is like i i like to jump into things like if if i think the idea is interesting or whatever i'll just jump in straight away and you know some i think i've I've honed that in recently or last few years or whatever um but before it's like i'll just do it if it made sense and that would be it and if it worked it worked if it didn't work it didn't work and actually most of the time it didn't work <laughs> to be honest with you so the ebay thing was a pretty much a flop i can't i don't know how much i lost maybe a few hundred or whatever um and then what i did is i put on my own event in the last year of uni which uh, um uh, I, love, I loved it, man. Um, so my, again, it was bad, manage, bad money management with it. But what I did, and at this point I'm thinking, oh, I know everything. Like, I know about this events game. I've been doing it for how many years? So I, I don't know, I, I kind of felt like I knew what I was doing. Um, so I, I kind of broke out on my own, did my own thing. And I had that new housemate, so they helped me with it as well. But it wasn't the same setup. It was like, it was, I, I did it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I asked them like, oh, do you want to invest or do you want to come in with it? I didn't want to do it the same way that we did it before because I just didn't think that it worked or it didn't work as well as it could. It did work actually, but it just didn't work as well as it could. Um, so for this one, my thing was, I just wanted to create the, the sickest night, like the greatest night that I could, that was possible. So I took a lot of liberties with it because I didn't have that much cash to start with. So I got someone to kind of partner with me, even though I did most of the work, but he put in like a decent amount of money. Um, and yeah, I just like, I just, I just wanted to, I was like, listen, I want DJ EZ, uh, my friend's new N-dubs at the time, but he still knows him obviously, still knows them. So there we got them for like 150 quids. We got Easy. Easy was like a grand. Um, who else? We? We, got, we got a few others. Agro Santos and all these people. They just came. Like a lot, a lot of times, people just came down. But this thing was packed out. Like this, this it was a crazy night, man. It was packed out. I was loving it. I thought I was the man. I was just loving it. I felt famous and shit. And it was it was a success, but it didn't make that much money. I, the reason why I said I took liberties is because I didn't have enough money to do it is is the per is the is the real as a realness behind it right so what what i was trying to do was sell tickets for beforehand and this this is unheard of like this is completely unheard of with student events like no one buys tickets really beforehand but i had to sell the tickets beforehand because i didn't have enough to pay for everything um pay pay for everything i needed um so yeah, so I was trying to try, just trying to sell as many tickets as I could, trying to get sponsorship. That's another thing we did as well. We did well in with explicit content. We got sponsorship. I think one time we got like four hundred. Did we get four hundred pounds? I can't remember. No, that might have been the. It might have been my one. We got that money for. But we we. But I got the idea from that because we, um, you know, spoke to a lot of businesses. We managed to get sponsorship for a lot of things. Um, 
So basically, when you get sponsorship, you just put put their, the business's name on the flyer, and they give you some money or they give you something towards it or whatever. Maybe they pay for the flyers. So that's always that was a good strategy that I kind of took into that. I think yeah, I think my friend Kunle, he got four hundred pound from sub yeah he, he got four hundred pound from Subway that sponsorship. So I was like, <laughs> when he got that, I was like, oh, because I'm I'm not telling them you know the situation really. Um, so yeah, so I had to sell a certain amount of tickets. Um, I had to make a certain amount of money. That's why I even brought them in to like invest as well, my, my other housemates. And you know, I think I just about made it. We just scraped it. Like it looked like a crazy. It looked like a mad successful night because there was about five hundred people there, which is more than like a, I don't know if it was a uni record, but it was like one of the most attendances um, at uni for a long time. And. Um, you know, so I think I can't remember how much the tickets were. Maybe like seven pound or something. Again, you can't charge that much. And then we had to pay EZ. EZ was like twelve hundred and all this. So I think we just about scraped it. Just about scrapes um, break even. But it looked like you know it's a it's a money making night, and everyone knew about it in the town. Like it was crazy. Um, but then again, I had to learn some business lessons because. I was just going for the most ex- extravagant things, like the, mo- the most extreme, the best DJs, uh, the, you know, big venue, etc., etc. So I had to learn. I had to learn, but because I broke even, I didn't really learn. And that takes me on to my next event, which was a comedy show that we did. The basically it was like the well, just after we finished uni, so. It was like for the freshers, the next year freshers. So I was about 23 or something. And it just like, it was it was just a flop. <laughs> it was a flop and a half, man. Like I rented out the theatre, the local theatre here. And it was just so many mistakes made. Like it was, it was crazy, man. Like, so say the freshers are coming on that, I don't know, whatever date. Like the freshers are supposed to come on the, the in October. We did it like... The week before they came or something like that so there's a lot less people we needed like 300 people there's so many mistakes i can't even get them all out but we needed like 200 people i think to break even right and the capacity was 400 so potentially you could you could make some profit if you get over that so we but we booked out you know big comedians like felix dexter well to us it was big comedians felix dexter was like, I think it was like two grand or something. Was he? Jesus Christ. Yeah, he was like, I think it was two grand to, to book him. Um, there were other ones like Jamie Howard, Ola, the comedian, all these guys. Um, I mean, they were cool. They, they, their fee wasn't that much. Fumbi, he was good. Um, so we booked out all these guys and they were, they were happy to do it. Did good set. But the problem was that we only we only got like 100 people. The whole place was empty. I felt like crying, man. It was horrible. And I took investment for, from some other guys as well. And, you know, telling them... <laughs> it's not even funny, man. But telling them that I couldn't pay them back was horrible. But then, that, you know, that, that really hit me. That, that was a tough one, actually. That, that hit me hard because it was a complete flop. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Like, the show was good in itself. But it was a complete flop in terms of financially, money-wise. But it was a lesson that I needed to to learn. Uh, It's definitely a lesson that I needed to learn. And, you know, it kind of, it just just refined me. It's like, 
I'm not invincible in it. It's not everything I do is going to turn to gold. Not everything's going to make money. I'm going to fail and it's cool. Do you know what I'm saying? I had to really tell that to myself. So I, I kept it going. It kind of, it gave me a bit of determination to make the events thing work. So I was like, oh man, I need to do these events. Like I need to really keep it going. But the problem was it was just, it was just, for one, it, it, it's a lot of work doing events. And also it's like, it's hard. Like you really have to, to make money from events, you have to do something consistently. So you have to do it, you know, either like a weekly event or a monthly event or whatever it is. And the, the people making money from events are those, those type of people that do those type of events. Um, but the problem, the issue was at the time was that there was a lot of crackdown on urban events. Um, so I was, you know, I was going around venues, I was trying to, trying to get, trying to get venues and whatnot. And it was just, it was just difficult, you know, that you had to tell them who you had, who you would bring in and all this type of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't remember when I really gave up on that, but it just, yeah, I had to, at some point I had to get, but, you know, it went quite deep. Like I remember going to Barclays trying to get a, a business loan or a business account to do it, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't fully thought through, to be honest with you. But it's just something that I thought that I could do because I'd done it. Like my mindset at the time was just, I need to, I need to set up some kind of business. I don't want to work for someone else. I want to set up a business. And it was just the thing that I had been doing. So it made sense to do it, but yeah. I don't know how sustainable an events company would have been for me at that time anyway. It, it would have just been difficult for me to do. But so a lot of people do it and it's successful. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say don't do it. And I know a lot of people that do it that's successful. But I think for me, it, it didn't really suit me. Also, I'm a bit more, um, you know, I guess also when you come out of the bubble, the uni bubble, it's, it's hard because you haven't got people just around you all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? You've, you've got, maybe you've got your people, but you haven't got uh, the kind of community that, that universities provide so it was it was just a bit more difficult to do and I think also to be honest like the comedy show thing really hit me hard so it, it was hard to come back from that in the events um, but like I said I, st I still tried you know tried to keep it going and that but yeah it just just wasn't for me man and also you need a lot of money to start because I didn't want to be in a situation like before when I was you know um, taking ticket money just to fund the show and obviously that was the issue with the comedy shows that I was doing the same strategy I was trying to get the the uh, tickets ticket money before you know I had the money to actually put on the show which which is why you know we got into such a deficit and couldn't pay people back and all this type of stuff so it was just it was just horrible man it's horrible to, to tell people that you can't do that um, you know so apologies you know who you are if you're listening <laughs> But yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Um, and that's a, that's another thing because a lot of people talk about you know try and use other people's money uh, when you start up a business. But I mean, like, yeah, it, it, that makes sense. It's it's a decent strategy and all that. But you, you it doesn't mean that you can be reckless with people's money. Do you know what I mean? Like you you got to believe it as much. The only difference is that you haven't got you haven't got the money, right? Um, but you've you've got to act like it's your money to lose. You know what I'm saying? There's no, it doesn't help no one to be reckless with it because you're not going to make no money from it. And also you're going to lose money. So what that means is that, okay, cool, this this didn't work. But now because you're so reckless, maybe that person won't invest in you again. And that's, you know, a possible investment when you had like a great idea. It's like crying wolf. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh yeah, I've got a good idea. I've got a good idea. People putting money, it doesn't work. It's hard to go to them again. So... 
Yeah, you gotta be careful with that using other people's. I know you know everyone kind of says that, and it, it makes sense. But it's just you know just don't be reckless with it. Is what I'm saying. Right. So, where are we? So we did the comedy show, which was a failure. <laughs> um, now, nah, so I guess after the comedy show, I was like, all right, I need to make some money, man. Like this is this is bad. Like I was kind of in a bad situation because just finished uni, trying to get the business to pop. It's not really popping off. Um, you know, so you're just looking for things. So I, I got a part-time job in Asda. So I was working night shift in Asda uh, to start with. And, oh man, that, in a way, it kind of gives you motivation. Like doing jobs like that, it kind of gives you motivation to get out. But when I was working in Asda, like, this is the thing, this is, this is the problem. And it's not just not just with Asda, or not even just with jobs like Asda. What can happen is that you get dragged down, or not dragged down, but you get into, you could get into the mentality of the people that work wherever you're at. Because what I noticed with Asda is that you had people that came in who were like, all right, this is just a temporary thing. I'm going to move on wherever. I just need to make money for now. So there's a lot of students did it. Um, you know, a lot of, I guess, I don't know who, what kind of people... I mean, it was weird because you you get like a lot of for, like I guess foreign people who would who would come and they'll have like five degrees or something like that and then end up working in Asda, which was really strange. And it, you know, it's all all different types of people that work there. But a lot of the times, the people that stay there for a long time, it's like their mentality had just been run down completely. Where they're just like they're. I don't want to say grateful because you should be grateful for anything but it's like they they just think that this it's the best thing that they can do is working at asda and there's all these reasons why they shouldn't leave and why they you shouldn't uh, uh what do you call it why they shouldn't do what they love and I, i'd have these conversations with people as well and it was just it was such a negative kind of vibe so i don't know man i think a lot of sometimes in jobs especially if it's a job where you think that you could do better you got to be careful of getting dragged down in a mentality. Like, luckily, I don't think I was, to be honest, because like, I was still, in my head, it, 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 you could say it's delusional, it probably was delusional, but I thought that I was going to be rich and, like, make money from business. And this, as the thing, was just a temporary thing, because I, I hated working at Asda. I liked some of the people there, but... And in a way, I kind of liked it, you know, a little way, but I hated the idea of it. I hated... I just didn't like it. I was always broke. Like it was no, it just it wasn't the one for me. But I ended up working there for bloody what five six years or something. So I was working there part time most of the time, and then doing my other stuff on the side. So the first, uh, the first, I wouldn't say side business because all these businesses were intended to be like full time jobs. Um, so the first one, I came up with a magazine called Brit African Magazine. So my, uh, someone I knew had done a magazine called Brit Asian Magazine, which, as far as I knew, was doing quite well. Um, they were getting in sales and whatnot. And the idea of it was just to serve like the younger, youthful Asian community. That was their idea. So I thought, okay, well, if that works, why wouldn't it work? You know, in the African community, there's a lot of, lot of. Um, when I say African, I mean like. You know, it could be first generation, could be born here in Africa and whatever. But there was a real movement. And that, that's actually come to fruition now with Afrobeats and the music, the sound of it now. The sound of music now is a lot, it's very African inspired. So I think when I came up with the idea, it was just kicking off. Like it was just starting the the whole African being cool 
and all that especially with the unis it was a big thing in the uni so my idea was like distribute this magazine throughout unis there's a lot of there's big acs african caribbean societies in some of these unis like this this could be this could work this could be a good thing so i kind of did a mock-up of it and then i went to the prince's trust to get a loan to help me with it problem i mean there were problems with it but the main problem was that it's a magazine so it, it costs a fortune to print like if you want to print it and have it looking half decent it's going to cost a fortune to do it maybe a couple grand per, per uh, print per issue so you have to get the sales so i did a little test run where i went around london went to like uh you know any kind of caribbean business i could think of to see just to kind of test the water and see if i could get any sales i, I don't think I, i've got a few people that are interested in it um but what it, what it kind of hit me was that this this thing's going to be harder than than it looks basically so i went and got the got a prince's trust loan uh, see, so with that, you have to do the whole panel thing. You have to do your business plan. But they're they're really good. Uh, it's a really good organization. Like they mentor, give you a mentor, help you through it, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I went with my mentor to the panel, and then luckily, like they accepted it. So I got a, I got a loan of like two and a half grand. And, but what, what I quickly realized is that two and a half grand. That's uh, that's cool. No, actually, what happened? Like, no, I think. They said they'll give me two and a half grand if I get another two and a half grand because my business plan, I needed five grand. So I was trying to ask for five grand. They gave me two and a half grand. But I managed to get another two and a half grand from like a family friend. Uh, so he hooked me up with that. So when I got the other two and a half grand, um, they gave me their two and a half grand. So I had five grand actually to start with. So the mistakes I made was just, no, no, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that happened, but what happened was when I realized the cost of Brit African, I had to I had to like I had to drop it because it was just it was just crazy. Like I couldn't there was no way I could really afford it. You know, I tried to do the sales, didn't work. Um, so I had to drop it completely. But what I realized in the original business plan for Brit African, what I realized was that there's or no, what I'd put in was I wanted a ticket in service for uh, for like these urban events, basically. Obviously, knowing about the event industry before, I I kind of knew that there was a need for this because when we sold tickets for my previous events, what you had to do is when people, people you literally put a phone number, like you'd have outlets, you'd have maybe shops or whatever that people could, could go in and buy the tickets from. But also the main source of it was you put, you literally put your phone number on the, uh, the flyer. Someone will phone you, say, oh, you know, I want two tickets, so-and-so, blah, 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 can you meet me here? You'd have to go out, meet them, drive to them. Walk. I didn't even have a car then, so it was, it was pretty difficult. But you'd have to drive to them or walk to them or get a bus to them, get them a ticket, get the money, blah, blah, blah. So, so in my head, I always thought there must be an easier way, like you must be able to do this online. So in the Brit African business plan, I put in a ticketing outlet for the website. So on the website there was going to be a ticket a place where you could go buy tickets whatever for for all these different events and it was actually a big because I had, to, I had to look at different ways to make income from the magazine because it was so cost of cost intensive there had to be different ways to make money from the website and all these different things so the ticket thing what i realized it was actually a lot of money that you could bring in from tickets because there's so many events that don't have any ticket agencies or don't use an online ticket agency. This was like 2007, so 2007, 2008. So it didn't 
you know, internet, I mean, obviously it was it was big, but it's not as big as it is today. Now you can, you know, it's ticket outlets and everything, but it just wasn't, you know, people were still a bit nervous about buying tickets online, can we trust the site, all this type of stuff. So, um, and it was only really the big events that, that were on Ticketmaster and, um, you know, the big kind of ticket ticketing platforms. So obviously if you're doing a little event at uni, you're not going to use that ticketing platform because it's just not big enough. It's not worth. It's not your worth your while. Like it's easier just to distribute them yourself. But with uh, with Brit African in a business plan, what I wanted was a place where you could do that. And then I realised that okay, that's actually why not just do that because that's making more money than the rest of the magazine, and you don't need a magazine for it. You could just have a ticket website. So halfway through. I don't really spend much on Brit African. I don't spend anything, I don't think, on Brit African from the loan. So I, I thought to myself, all right, you know what? Let's switch this up, man. Let's do let's do a ticket site. So I called it UrbanTickets.co.uk, and it was that was the whole point of it. It's just to be this ticket ticketing agency for businesses that don't really um, like haven't used an online agency before. So what I would do is just um, you know message a lot of these promoters. Get, try and get them on board with it. We, we had urban tickets on a lot of flyers. Like it, it was a, it was a good like. It got around like it was a decent business. I thought. So I was updating the site, um, working with a web developer. So in that time, I learned all about like you know just different stuff, web marketing, SEO, like how to get your thing on Google, like ranked up high on Google, all that stuff. And you know it was doing all right. It was it was. It wasn't crazy, but like it was doing okay. Do you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't enough where I could leave Asda. Like I still had to had to work part time there. But it was the first thing I did where I think like it felt it felt successful. Like it felt like it was making money. It probably wasn't. I think realistically, I probably only made five to ten thousand uh, in in a year or something, or in in a couple of years doing it. So it wasn't it, it like financially it didn't make sense, but it was a good idea and people knew about it. So it's really hard to to stop doing it. Uh, and obviously, you're, in your mind, you're just thinking, oh yeah, like the next thing, like I just need like a big event, I just need a big concert, whatever. If I get a big concert, this thing's gonna be massive, blah 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 blah. blah. The other issue I had, what I learned from it, is that. It was just me doing it. So with this type of business, I think you really need a team behind you, you know, because it's costing a lot to, to get the websites done. And at first, I didn't really know about uh, websites that much. So I, so the, the guy gave me some quote of like four grand. I was like, oh, okay, so that's that's how much websites are. So that's what I used to uh, uh, use that money, the Prince of Trust money and that to fund it. And then the other, the other thing was that advertising as well, because... I wasn't that savvy with the advertising, so I got it advertised in Rewind Magazine, The Voice, but I just, I spent too much on it, is, is the honest truth. So, so basically, there's a lot of mistakes here. It, it was a kernel of a good idea. It was a good idea, but like, it just, it just wasn't cost effective. Like, the way I did it wasn't cost effective, and I didn't have anyone telling me like, oh, maybe you should consider this, because I've got that personality where I prefer to work by myself anyway. So... But I think this type of business, you really needed a team around you. And a lot of businesses, you might you might need a team around you. So I should have really cultivated that or got more people involved or whatever. Because it, it was a good idea. Um, so what happened was, I saw an advert for BBC... 
it's called the Performing Arts Fund. So for the first time it was open, it was a competition they do apparently every year, they haven't done it for a while now actually, but at the time they did it every year, and you would get, in my year, I don't know how they did it the previous years, but you, you would get 15 winners, usually music artists or whatever, and they would get 10 grand each to put into themselves as like a musician or as a, it could be a business. In the first, the year that I applied, it was the first year where they let businesses and industry kind of ideas um, people apply. So all before that was really just artists and producers and that. So I saw the advert for it on, on the jump off site. And I was like, for some reason in my head, I just thought, yo, like, I think I think I can win this thing. Like I, I really think I can win this. So at the time I'm doing urban tickets, but it's a bit bittersweet because I know that in my in my heart of hearts, I know that urban tickets is just it's just stalled in it. It's not really doing what I want it to do, and it's just I don't know. It's just not working. The funny thing is now actually there's a there's a site called Ships. I don't really care about promoting others. I will promote whoever who is part of the story, especially. Um, but there's another site called shubs.com and they're actually doing pretty well. They, I think they've been up a few years now and pretty much every urban event you see, there's, you know, you get your tickets from Shubs. So well done to them. Like they did it. And I think they, all the mistakes I'm saying I made, they probably didn't make like they, they've got a team, you know, they did the whole thing. There was a point where, you know, it was pretty even with them. And then we, I just, I just stopped being interested in it. Um, but anyway, so with uh where was i right so yeah the competition so yeah so i applied for it in my head i just felt like i could I, i'm gonna get this i didn't think it was i didn't think open ticket was gonna work but i just went for it anyway um and then we had a panel where we talked to we had to we had to explain our idea or whatever and i think it was like 300 people applied and then so they called back 30 to come for this weekend thing so the weekend how i describe it was basically like the best uni you could imagine. It was like everyone on the, everyone applying, everyone everyone participating, as in trying to get them trying to get the funds. Um, they were all like you know quite big people or you know they've done this and that. So there was low key was on it. Um, Charlie Slough, who's the Radio One DJ now. Um, who else was there? Yeah, I can't remember, man. But there was a few like you know producers and and different artists and, and whatnot and probably some that were still blow I don't know and there, there, but there was only a couple of business people there was uh, a girl called Amelia she did a blog which is pretty good I think she's doing alright she was quite cool um, and there's another guy called Tom Sweetman who um, I can't remember I think he had like a promotions company so he did tours and stuff but anyway so. During the weekend, you know, they put us, put us up in a hostel, so I was staying with a couple of the guys there. Um, it, was, it was just an amazing experience, man, I've got to say. Um, but then we'll have, like, all these people come in to, to, like, you know, Sway came in, the rapper Semtex, um, TakeOver Entertainment, which is which Tinchy Strider's management at the time. All these people, and it was just, they were just coming, just chat to us. Um, you know, Cyan Anderson came with Chantel Fiddy. So a lot, of, a lot of people just came in and just chat to us and like tell us what we need to do to make it, etc., etc. Um, so that, yeah, it was just it was just a really good experience, man. Um, so yeah, so I ended up winning the thing. I was one of the fifteen, so I got ten grand. I mean, it was it was, it was <laughs> that was amazing. I couldn't believe it. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, I managed to, to get that. I think it's still on the website, man. You could probably Google that. But, but yeah, no, it was amazing, man. Um, but how it worked is that they didn't give you 10 grand in your pocket. They gave you, like, if you needed something. So say I needed, like, an update to the website, which I got. Um, you, give them, you give them, like, an invoice for it, and they'll pay off the invoice for you. So obviously up to 10 grand. But you got to spend the 10 grand in a year as well. So now it's pretty cool. And then they gave you a mentor, but I don't know. That didn't really... <laughs> I don't know if that really helped. Um... So yeah, so yeah, so through the year I was spe- spending a bit of money. So I, so basically, my thing was I want to upgrade the, the Urban Ticket site, get a bit of advertising, whatever. So I did that, upgraded it, looked good. Got a new web designer, the whole whole thing. But then, you know, I still had it in my mind that yo, like I don't know, I think I need something else here. Like this is not fully, it's not really working, man. So one of the guys from the BBC thing, Tom Sweetman. He uh, he gave me a shout and he was like, "Listen, like we're, you know, we're both business guys. Let's meet up. Let's have a chat. Um, see what we come up with. See if we can come up with an idea." So I came up with a few ideas that were somewhat, I guess, ambitious, like a hip hop festival. Maybe that would have done well, to be honest. But like a music festival came up with, um, and I can't remember, man. But we didn't we didn't have too much. But then basically, like the the night after, so I met him and then you know, went home, and I just had a think, and then I was like, man, you know what we need, we need a mixtape site, a mixtape, a place where you can just download mixtapes, because what was happening was, well, what, what I'd come across actually, and, sorry, <laughs> too much coming in my head, the reason why I thought of Urban Tickets was because I was looking for an idea, and there was an Asian version, right, so that's why that's why I wanted it for Brit African. It was called chillytickets.com. I think it still exists. Probably doing quite well. So I saw that and I was like, all right, let me put that on Brit African. But then, you know, I thought, why not just have an urban tickets site, urbantickets.co.uk. Right, so looking around, um, I came across this site called datpiff.com, which is a mixtape site in the States. So it's pretty big. Like there's every, every new release... I haven't been on it for years, but it's probably still up. But every new release um, by a US artist always goes on that piff. And also, people can upload their own mixtapes. So I thought, raw, like, this this is a great idea. I looked around. There's nothing really um, for UK mixtapes. Like, there was nothing at all. And that piff wasn't servicing UK mixtapes. So a lot of people, even if they're using it, they weren't getting a lot of hits on it. And it just, it just wasn't, there wasn't really the outlet because these are like the time. The time I started it was the exact time that Grand Daily popped up, and uh, SBTV popped up. I thought, or oh, they might have been up already. I can't remember. But it was around that same kind of time. So, so I took an interest in it because I was trying to do the same thing. I think it was. I think it was the same. Kind, it was like 2009, 2010. So yeah, I, I think I think Grand Daily, and I was I was annoyed because Grand Daily, Grand Daily when it started was. It was world star hip hop, but for the UK, basically that's what it was. And if I remember the first site they did, it was an exact. It was almost like an exact replica of um, world star hip hop. But the thing was, no one had done it. Like no one had done it. So I can't remember if I, if I did it after them or before them or whatever. But my idea was like the mixtape site because I was thinking like, 
like this that piff site is getting millions of hits getting millions of downloads all this stuff that they're, they're a public limited company like like they run the stock market that's amazing so there's nothing like this in the uk like nothing at all so why not why not look into this so i told um tom like yo i've got the i've got the greatest idea i've got the sickest idea like let's do this mixtape site um i don't know how i came up with the uh, with the name of it but i just called it i just thought keep it simple call it download mixtape.com so damn for short so just damn it you know i got a hat saying that it's quite good um so i went to him with the idea and i was like and he he liked it and then so i think we went to the bbc and we said like this is the idea that we got they weren't that interested but we basically asked him if we could use some of the money to put into download mixtape.com uh, and i think they were cool with it i can't, <laughs> can't remember exactly but but anyway so problem was this is a problem i've always had like with working pe- with people is that if i'm passionate about something if i really just want to do it they might be lagging behind or they might not really be on it and they just they just like the idea of it but they're not willing to put in the work now tom's a great guy like he's done lots of good stuff but for whatever reason i could tell that he didn't really want to do this thing um and it was annoying me because i'd be giving him little things to do and he wouldn't do it or he would take his time doing it it was just to me it was just slowing it up but the problem was i needed some of the funds to to do the website and whatnot from him so it was tough uh so i think eventually he dropped out i kind of pushed him a bit just because he wasn't on it and he agreed he wasn't on it so it's fair enough um so yeah so he he dropped out unfortunately i've got someone else on board same issues with that um and then i just didn't end up getting any money into it so actually i think my my girlfriend at the time lent me some money to do it yeah uh, (laughs) need to pay that back still um but yeah, so it's just difficult. Like working with working with people, it can be hard. Like you really, that's one thing I learned is that you really have to be on the same page. Like for it to work, you have to really just have an understanding. And you know, like um, I can't explain, man. You just got to be on the same page. You got to have the same passion, same vision, all that kind of stuff. So for me, it's it's never personally, it's never worked. Like maybe I'm hard to work with. I don't know. Um, but a lot of the time, it, it, I mean, it doesn't even get to that. It's like you know, people are not really putting in what they need to be putting in. Um, and I, I'm not even that hard taskmaster, man, but it's just, yeah, but I, I don't know. But what I learned is just be careful with who you work with. That's that's what I can say, really. Um, but anyway, so so we've downloaded Mixtape. Managed to get the site up. Oh, it's great, man. Like, I, I love, I still love that. I still love the site. It's not up anymore. But at the time when I was doing it, I just thought this thing is amazing, man. Like, I had his own player. It went through some developments and all that. But I had his own player. I had a, had a thing where people could upload their own mixtapes. Like, oh, man, I, I really like I really like the site. Like, I can't lie. Um, at the time, though, there was another site that came up called Mixtape Madness. They're still around, so they're doing their thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say how much someone's making or whatever. I don't, this is the thing. I would love to know, like, how much is Shub's com you know the urban tickets rival how much are they making like i want to know how how much i messed up do you know what i mean like download a mix i want to know how much mixtape madness i'm making like it'll be interesting to find out um i think they're doing all right but both those they had like big teams behind them with me again it was just me one by myself doing it I, you know with this one I, I guess i must have tried to get a team together but for whatever reason it didn't work um but I did run into the mixtape madness guy, one of the one of the guys anyway, 
and he was he wasn't too happy about what they were making. But this was years ago. Um, it was like a panel music panel thing. So I d- I don't know, like I don't know if they've improved by now. But one thing is that obviously the music UK music industry has really shot up, and I I had noticed that because in my business plan I I knew that that was going to happen, or I I predicted that that would happen. Um, so it was in my business plan that UK music is going to grow and it's you know it's got so much room to grow and now obviously it has grown and it's doing well so it's so unfortunate because like I just missed that um, but I guess what you'll be saying what what's, what happened with download a mixtape or what was the problem with it um, basically uh, I can't really remember man it just it, ah, okay with, with download a mixtape I think it just wasn't making that much money. Um, and the problem was because people could upload their own mixtapes and I was uploading mixtapes anyway you know current mixtapes or whatever it just it, it cost a lot to run that site the amount of storage space and all that it cost like two, 200 250 pound a month just to just to run it and with these type of sites it's like you need funding in them because you need constant updates number one um, and you need like you need to be able to go amount of time without making any profit. Do you know what I mean? So, for me, after a while, it just... I mean, I only really shut it down two years ago, I think it was. It was, it was fairly recent. Two, it might have been two... I think it was 2015, 2016, something like that. I shut it down. Um, and it was running for about four or five years. Um, and the problem with it... And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, man, but it's just that there wasn't, there's not that much money, didn't seem to be that much money in it. And let, with websites, or what I've seen in it, is that you have to be, you have to be, you have to be very focused, like, in terms of what you want to do with a website. So, with Download a Mixtape, I didn't, there wasn't enough ways to monetize it, at the time anyway. So, the main ways you've got is you can either have advertising, you can have Google Ads on the website so when people click on it you make a bit of money all right you make a bit of money from it maybe 50 pound a month or something like that but it's not it's not great um and then you have you or you can sell advertising space which i did you know i went around and i called people and i said to them you know do you want to invest in this or do you want to you want to advertise your business here blah 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 and then, yeah you can make a bit of money from that maybe make it maybe even make 500 pound a month from that but it's still not enough. Like it's not, it, it barely, you barely break even. And then for you to actually make a living from it, it basically got to a point where I realized that I don't know whether I can make a living from this thing, unfortunately. And I, but to be honest, man, I would have kept it on like as a passion project or whatever, but it's just, I just didn't have the money to keep um, paying the guy, like paying the website guy. I just literally didn't have the money to do it. Like if you remember, I'm just working in Asda and I'm trying to get this to pop off and it's just not it's just not working so the real the, the main reason why it kind of went to the backbone is because i started doing ebay so the story with that so it kind of overlapped um so go back to the story with that so what what happened was i came across this thing called match betting so match betting is basically a way to make money from the bets that the free bets that bookies give you so if you ever see like yeah, twenty pound free bet or whatever, you could, there's a way, there's a system you can use where you make money from that. So from a twenty pound bet, you could probably make like eighteen pound or something like that if you do it properly. Um, so I 
stumbled upon this, I was, I was thinking, all right, let me let me just do this. So I'm gonna actually I'm gonna have I'm gonna have another podcast where I talk about this, or I talk about the technique to do it, and you can you can make like two grand from doing this, or at least a grand. But well, I made I made about two grand from doing it. Um, but I'll go in more depth with that because I want I want to show people how to do this as well because I think it's it's quite a good way to just get start money or make a bit of money or whatever. <clears throat> so what happened was I just got really good at doing. I learned everything about this match betting thing. And when I started, I wasn't doing it that well. But by the time I finished, I was like incredible. <laughs> like I knew everything about it. Um, I knew how to maximize, make as much money as possible from it. So what I'll do as well is I'll say to someone else like, "Oh, let me let me use your, you know, betting accounts and all this. Let me open up betting accounts for you. I'll pay you fifty pound. I think it was fifty pound, or it might have been a hundred even. I'll pay you some money if you let me use your account." Um, and I can, you know, make money doing this match betting thing. So all in all, I probably made two and a half grand, something like this. And the problem with it, you can you can consistently make money, you can make ongoing money, but the real money, the big money you make is at first when you get all the free bets. So I, I did that and then I was like, oh man, like I've got to stop doing this. And not, not because I've, I was thinking it was bad or anything. I just um, had stopped doing it because I ran out of free bets. Or I ran out of accounts to use. So I was like, oh man, I've learned all this stuff. I've learned like a skill to make money and I can't keep it going, ongoing. So basically when it, when it came to it, when I spent a bit of money and whatever, I had like maybe 500 to a grand left. So I was like, listen, if I can learn how to just do this thing just to make money, I, there must be something else online that I can do that will make money. Like it, it must, there must be a thing I can do. So I researched just things. Literally, literally I, I think I wrote in Google ways to make money online. And then one of them was eBay. And then I came across this guy's website called Andrew Minalto, Minalto, something like that. And he had his whole technique for selling on eBay, and <clears throat> he was doing well. Like I think he had his own warehouse and. You know, he's making decent money from doing like not making decent money, he's making a lot of money like from doing it. So I was like, alright, what I need to do is just get good at something like this. Like just get good at it. So started with that. I was doing um so I started with eBay using his technique and I started making like money was coming in, money was turning over, but his technique was all about becoming top seller first. And then, you know, starting up a business or starting to sell your own stuff or whatever. So, at first what I did is like music, uh, DVDs, I thought there was a niche for it. That didn't work at all. I just spent, <laughs> just, wait, but it wasn't that much money I wasted. I was just testing it. But I made like, um, I, um, I didn't sell anything of that. And I, I bought like 30 pounds worth. So I was like, oh man, this is this just didn't work. <laughs> so most of it I just gave away as presents. I've, I've probably still got some of them now actually. Um, so, you know, yeah, so I was just looking into it more and more, and then I did, um, what I do is I buy what they call job lots on eBay, so it'll be like maybe a hundred games or something like that, uh, so you buy a hundred games at once, and then you sell them one by one, now the thing with this, it's, it's not a bad idea, you can make money from it, but it, it just takes so much, it's quite time consuming to list a hundred different different pre-owned games it, it just takes a lot of time 
So I was doing that for like six months. I, I got the top seller thing, did all that. But then when I did the numbers, I was like, oh, man, I've made about £500 in six months. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, this is not this is not working. Like, I wanted to quit. Like, I just thought, oh, man, what am I going to do? Like, this is not working. At the same time, download the mixtape's going all right. Like, it, it was pretty good. I mean, download the mixtape, I got like, eight, there was like 80,000 subscribers in the end. Like, it, it, was, it wasn't bad. But it just wasn't making money was a problem. Um, so yeah, so back to eBay. So I, you know, I was asking my grandma for ideas, and what she was doing was buying from China and selling on eBay. I was like, alright, that's cool, but I haven't really got enough money to do that yet. And then, just as I was about to quit, like literally, literally, I got kicked. Out, I got kicked out of my house, the flat house, or the yeah, the room I was staying in. I was staying in a room, paying like three hundred pound a month or whatever. I got kicked out, like the guy, at the landlord was like, you know, I'm going to rent out to like a family or something like that. So I had to move out. So I moved to, I had to stay in my cousin's house for a little while. But luckily I got, um, I got accepted for a council place, but it just wasn't built yet. So I had to wait for that. So it was a whole thing. Um, so yeah, so I was waiting in my cousin's place. But at, the, at that time, so I had the eBay business going, but it just wasn't really making as much money as I wanted. It was starting to, but it just, it wasn't really there yet. And then what I started doing more just before I moved out was buying from shops and then selling it on eBay. So that's that's called arbitrage. I'll go into this. There'll be a whole video about, or a whole, sorry, a whole podcast about the different ways you can make money on, on eBay or on Amazon, mainly on Amazon, actually. So what I'd kind of stumbled upon was arbitrage. I hadn't learned how to do it. There's loads of sites to tell you how to do it now, or loads of YouTube channels that tell you how to do it, but I hadn't learned. So I just kind of stumbled on it. And I, so, so with that, I started making money. I was like, okay, all right, this isn't bad. Like, this, is, this is going all right. So I kind of kept that up. And then luckily, like when I'm, well, not luckily for them, but when I moved to my cousin's place, Blockbuster, Blockbusters were shutting down at the time. So they were doing a lot, they were just doing fire sales where they were just selling a ton of stuff. So what I would do is go down to Blockbusters and just spend like £300, £400 just on games and DVDs and all this kind of stuff. And they were literally half price, like, you know, new games, some of them, I think, or, you know, uh, quite valuable games. And they were just selling them for half price or like a fraction of the price. And I was just making a bomb, like doing it. I was like, yes, <laughs> like finally, finally I've hit on something here. And I, I was just happy, man. I was just happy. So, yeah, so, so that was going well. I was at my cousin's place, I took my printer and my, my Mac. My Mac I'd, I'd bought from the, uh, what do you call it, the BBC Fund, Performing Arts Fund. So that's why I had it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had it. Um... So yeah, so yeah, so I took all that there. I was printing out, going to shops, going to the post office. I, I kind of I, it was a good time, man. So I was doing all that, and yeah, so that was popping, and so that that went alright. I think the eBay thing I would say is the first kind of good financial success I had, and it took me years before I got to that point because you're talking like before that started kicking off. I mean, when was that? Maybe two thousand. 2012, 2013, I don't know, like, I can't, I don't know exactly, like, I'm 33 now, so, I think that was when I was 27, 28, 
after that. Start, no, I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, I think I think it was about that anyway. Maybe about six years ago. So that, anyways, whenever Blockbuster started closing down, that started kicking off. So that did well, and then I started looking into other stuff, which was like I could do on eBay. So I was importing from China, selling. I got into like I had a little niche of camera accessories, like GoPro stuff. So I had like GoPro accessories, and that that was doing well. Like I was, you know, I'd spent hours um, every day packaging items, and at one point it was, I was selling like. You know, over five grand a month, uh, five, six, seven grand a month. So that that was going for me at the time. That was going well. Like that was the best business I had so far. And it was, uh, you know, I was. I think profit-wise, probably wasn't that good. I was making maybe one, one to two grand a month or something. But it was, it was mine. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it was my. I created that job. Um, and then I remember one day. I was supposed to go into Asda, water, put on a uniform, but I had like loads of packages to deliver at the post office on the way, so I was gonna do it on the way. And I was just standing in the queue, I was thinking, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to Asda again, it's not happening. So I literally, I didn't go back, like just one day I just didn't go back. I didn't, I didn't know how I was gonna work it out, I didn't know if I was making enough money, like whatever, but I was just like, nah man, I'm not going back, I'm not doing this again. And that was it. Never came. Never went back. And then they they basically sat me for for not <laughs> coming in. But they took years. They took. I think they took about six. It was about six months before they f- fully said to me like, you know what, you need to leave or we're gonna sack you. So because I was trying to hang it on, just I was trying to hang on just in case. Um, but I, ne- I literally never came back in. I just said I was sick. And I never came back in. Um, so, but but what that meant is that it put a lot more pressure on me because there was no backup plan now. There was nothing, like literally nothing. I had to, um, you know, if the business didn't go well, like what was I going to do? You know what I mean? I'd have to just get another job or whatever. So it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. But but sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to burn the bridges and just, just go for it, man. So, yeah, so I was doing it. And I think with eBay, for me, there was a bit of a, there was a bit of a ceiling with it. Like, the problem was I needed some, I needed another income. Like, that was a problem because my rent was like £500, which I was paying every month, cool, whatever. But like, maybe I was making a grand or maybe not even that. So what that meant is that if something went wrong, like it was okay, it was just just surviving, but I wasn't thriving. So I wasn't able to invest in other stuff or really scale it up properly. And I couldn't have anywhere because like on, on a decent day, I was spending six, seven hours doing packages. Do you know what I'm saying? So eventually the business just becomes me packaging. And if you scale up, obviously you just got more packages to do. And yeah, I don't know, man. It just, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know if I got bored of it or I fell out of love with it or whatever, but I started taking more risks. So I took this risk of trying to, well, I thought I thought it was going to work, man. Uh, so so basically there was a way to unblock phones. So I sold that on eBay. So I sold, so people would give me their number or their SIM card or whatever, and I would I'd unblock their phone. So that worked for a while, but then it, it just stopped working. Like, and I don't know why. And I don't mean it stopped working as in it stopped making money. I mean, people, it, it made too much. People started paying for it and then I couldn't do it anymore. So what happened was I got a lot of negative feedback um, and my sales just plummeted. Like for like three months, my sales just 
rock bottom like they plummeted and that became a big problem because if that's the case then I I didn't have a model which could sustain that do you know what I'm saying like if my sales plummet I don't have a model I don't have uh, another outlet to sell stuff so it, it was crazy man and then at the same time you know download a mixtape I'm keeping it going but it's not really doing much and then I, I had to eventually shut that down because I couldn't afford it I couldn't afford to keep it up because it's costing like £200 a month or whatever even when he knocked it down I think he knocked it down to like £50 a month I was like no I, I still I still can't really afford this so I got to the point where I was like I don't know what the hell I'm going to do like I literally have no clue like what what am I going to do because this thing's not it's not making any money now. I've not got... I basically haven't got any plan B, really. Like, and it, it's like... It was weird because I had I had money, but, like, it was dwindling. Like, I knew... I knew it was going down. Like, I knew... <clears throat> I knew every month was worse than the last month. But I'd, I'd gotten used to just having money. So I wasn't that good at not spending it, if you know what I mean. So that's another thing I learned is that, like... I. It made me, like, going through that, the dropping cells and all that, it made me look at it and say, like, yo, I've got so many dumb outgoings here. Like, I've got, I'm paying, you know, insurance for something I don't even have anymore. That's coming out every month. I've got this. So I clean up everything. Like, like money-wise, I clean it all up. And I was like, yo, I, I need to just stay on top of this and, like, spend as least money as possible. Um, and I think that that's, that that just that can go for anyone in terms of like like you have to really like all the frivolities and all the unnecessary spending and direct debits and all that you really have to look at it and just cut it down as much as possible. Do you know what I'm saying? And just stop spending on stupid. Like I was spending on stupid stuff just because I thought I had money. And this is the thing with eBay as well. When when it was successful, is it was like it was really like a like a mind game for me, because because everything was in that eBay basket. If I had a good day, okay, cool, phew, like I felt relief. But if I had a bad day, or even like the start of a bad day, I'll be like, oh man, like I just need one more. And it was really, you know, just up and down emotionally, like really bad. So I had to I had to take a step away from it as well. And that's something I learned is that. You really have to take a step back. You have to, you have to kind of trust the process in terms of, you know, you measure it over a year or you measure it over a couple of years. You don't measure it over a day. Do you know what I'm saying? Just because you're having a good day or a bad day, it literally it doesn't mean nothing. Do you know what I'm saying? But at the time, it, you know, my emotions were just up and down with it, and it was just, I don't know, it, it was, it felt stressful, man. It, it really did. But it was, it wasn't that it was stressful. It was just how I handled it was, I did it in the worst way. That was a problem. <laughs> So, like, on my last bit of money just dwindling, where I don't even know what the hell I'm going to do, <laughs> like, I apply for a loan from the Fredericks Foundation. <clears throat> so, if you're counting, this is the third loan or grant that I'm going for. And, again, the same process uh, as Prince's Trust and as the well not as BBC but it was a Prince's Trust so I went for that ended up getting it had to do the panel the panel was intense like the other panels I went on the Prince's Trust and the BBC one they were cool like they, they weren't asking too many questions like because it's more of a startup business as well that I was presenting to them they didn't they didn't really mind that much but with these guys they were like all right what's your numbers like what's going on because I was going to them with this eBay business 
They're like, what's your numbers? Like, what are you expecting? Like, blah, blah, blah. I had nothing for them. Like, I just felt, I felt because I got the previous two, I would be able to get this. It wouldn't be a problem. Like, it would be nothing, whatever. I learned my lesson. <laughs> like, I got grilled, man. It was like Dragon's Den or something. Like, they went in. And I, I just didn't really have anything for them, apart from the fact that I knew this thing worked. It worked before, and it just needed more funds. Um, that was it. So that's that's really what I presented. I mean, I argued my case, but that's what I presented. So I think I asked for five grand, and they ended up giving me two grand. But what they said is that if I come back to them and I've got my numbers and I've done well in in a few months or whatever, come back, get more if you need it. You know, and if if you know you got your shit together, basically. So I was like, all right, cool. I wasn't expecting nothing. I was so happy when they gave me the two grand. I was so happy. Like I was like, oh my god, that saved my life. But the issue would still remain the same was that I needed another business. Like, I needed something else. So in my head, I'm just thinking, I'm not religious, but, like, I prayed. <laughs> I didn't pray, but I was just thinking in my head, like, I just need something, like, something. I'm open. Just give me something. Some some universe or whatever. Give me some ideas or give me something. And it kind of came through. So basically, I got, I got something by mistake. I don't want to go into too much detail about it. Um... But I got sent something by mistake. And I'd also been selling on Amazon, but just selling my eBay stuff on Amazon. So I hadn't, I didn't have any kind of Amazon strategy. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it because the fees just seemed crazy. So I never thought, I never really felt to sell it. Like I wasn't bothered to the point where I nearly got suspended off Amazon. Like I was selling stuff from China on Amazon, which you can do. But the problem, the problem with Chinese stuff is that a lot of the electronical electronic stuff is is faulty. Like everything I bought to sell that's been electronic has been faulty. From and I, I went from to Alibaba.com most of the time to get it. So if you buy stuff like um, you know, so I was buying head straps and stuff like that, chest straps for GoPro cameras to attach a GoPro camera to give you. Um, you know, good angles or whatever. But anytime I bought something electronic, which is like the actual camera itself, or uh, whatever accessories that were electronic for the camera, it, it just malfunctioned all the time. Like, it, not that I knew, like I was sent to the customer and they'll complain and then you get bad feedback and all this. So this happened with like a few things on Amazon that I sent in. So loads of people came back and they were like, no, like, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't that bothered. Like, I was just like, whatever, man, it's not my main thing. Like, I'm not that bothered. So I wasn't getting back to messages quickly. And like, I just didn't really care, like, I'll be honest, because it was only maybe, it wasn't even 100 a month, like, I, don't, I don't think. So, I w- so eventually they suspended me or they, they banned me and I, they, I had to appeal to get back. So I had to do all that. And then, uh, fair enough, got back. Um, so I hadn't really used, I had no strategy for Amazon. It was just, it was just auxiliary to eBay. It was just like a, like a mini eBay to me at the time. So I had no stake in it. It wasn't too fast, whatever. Um, but then what happened was I, I got something by accident. Or I got something that I wanted to sell personally. And I went to eBay to sell it, and I was like, man, like this, all right, that's cool. Let me see how much it is on Amazon. So I went to Amazon, and then what I realized is that, wow, like, wait a minute, that's like nearly double the price of eBay. So I went back, and I was like, all right, I think there might be a business here. Like, if I buy 
this stuff or I'll buy some stuff from eBay and I sell it on Amazon, there's I think there might be money in this. I wasn't sure. But if it worked the way it looked like it was going to work, I was going to do pretty well off this. So I bought a few of them, sent them in. First day, they they just started selling. Bang, bang, bang. It was something like, I can't remember. I bought them for like £30 and they were selling for like 70 I was like, oh my God. So this is profit. Because when I'm selling this these camera accessories, I'm making like 2 £3, £4 per item. This one was like £30 profit. I was like, yo, like, this is, this is insane, like, is this real? Um, so obviously with that, I was just extended it, started learning more about Amazon. I was like, all right, cool, I'm doing this, like, this is, this is a thing that's happening, like, I'm doing this. So I, you know, I joined all the groups on Facebook, learned as much as I could, and I just, I just had in my mind that this thing was going to work, so I just kept it going. So come to find out, what I was doing was arbitrage, which was the same kind of thing I was doing with eBay at the start, with the games and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, what I, I started learning the technique, so there's a whole thing of, you know, there's a website called FBA Wizard, or a software called FBA Wizard, where they can search shops, and you can find items to arbitrage, so you can buy them from those shops, sell them on Amazon, and there was just so much like scope to it. I was like, oh my days, like this is this is crazy. Why wasn't I doing this before kind of thing? Um, so I learned all that and you know, I just kind of ran with it. So I started off, obviously you start off with one product and I was making a couple hundred a month. Then that went, there was one month I, I made like two grand, I sold two grand's worth in a month. I was like, okay. And then it just started, it just built and built and built. And then I remember like Christmas came and it was crazy because this this time I started. This was only 2016. I started doing this, like April 2016. So only less than two years ago. And you know it, it was you know things started catching momentum, catching fire. They even suspended me because my velocity was too much. I was selling too much to start with. Like I went from zero to selling. You know, grands in a, in a month in a few months. So they suspended me. I had to wait. Oh, my heart was beating with with that one because I was like, you know, oh man, I've just found something, and you lot are gonna strip this from me. You lot are gonna take this away from me. I can't believe it. But um, you know, it was just like I had to get like the uh, self-employed thing. Luckily, I'd I'd self-employed. My I'd already been self-employed, so it wasn't a big deal to do that. And yeah, man, it it was just so it's just like building, building, and then come Christmas, I think I made like fifteen grand in a month or something like that. I was like, wow! But in my head, I'm thinking, nah, this is this is too good to be true, man. This is this is gonna flop at some point. So then going into 2017 again, it was great. Like, you know, I, I think well, 2017 is only a year. Like that's that's only a year ago. So yeah, so in the in last. In, in that first year, that first April to December, I made about 60 grand or something like that, which is crazy. Because the best year I had on eBay, I made 50 grand and probably not the same profit. Because um, the thing with Amazon FBA, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get too specific into it because I'm going to do another podcast where, you know, I break it all down and whatnot. But like, with... Um, uh, with Amazon FBA, you can charge more because you're sending it. You've got the Prime thing. There's so many positives to it. Like, it's crazy. So, yeah, man. So, it just kept climbing and climbing. So, 60 grand I made in that first, what, eight months or something. And then, so now, the last year, I've made over 200 grand in a year. 200 grand in a year. 
Like it's crazy. It's crazy. It's insane. So yeah, man. So that's the story. So I just kept learning and just kept growing it and you know investing. I've got over like 130 products now. Product lines. Not, not products, I've got over, in stock, I've got like over 2,500. I'm not saying this to brag at all, I'm just saying that it's, it's uh, Amazon FBA is very good, like it's very viable, but also, you know, just learning, like like I said, man, we're coming to the end of the story now, and it's like, there's so much that I've learned in the past, and it's crazy, and like, if you look at it, like, I've pretty much failed up until, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago. Like, I failed everything, pretty much. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I might fail this, but it's just that the learning experience has just been invaluable. Like, there's no other method that you could use to get any kind of progress. You have to almost go through this stuff. Like, what I would advise, though, is, like, like don't be afraid to take courses. I should have done that, really. I should have, um, you know, I should have learned more, I guess. Like, uh you know what I mean? Like, not being afraid to do courses online or whatever. But obviously, with that, be careful who you're doing it from. Like, make sure you trust them and whatnot. I don't do a course, so I can't offer that. But just be careful with that. But it is, you can cut out a lot of stuff. So even just listen to my podcast, You, this is like 10 years of experience or, you know, however many years of experience, 20 years of experience. Um, you know, mistakes I've made that you don't have to make. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, it's... it's it was, it was crazy, man. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a kind of profit. And then hopefully, you know, I'm even looking at maybe 300 grand this for the for the next year coming. So, and not only that, I'll hopefully be able to diversify. And it's given me opportunities that I never would have had, like, never, never would have had. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, man, what it can do. And like I said, man, I'll go into specifics with the FBA because this, this is what I've come to in terms of like a main income at the moment. So I'll go into specifics later in another podcast episode about that and how you can make money or different things you can do. Um, but yeah, man, it's just it's just a crazy, crazy journey, man. So, you know, it feels good to, to say that. But also what's, what's interesting is that I had to come to this point to do it because I didn't, like, in my mind, I don't think I respected money or... No, respected is the wrong word, like... I was even going to say, like, I don't need money. When I say I don't need money, what I mean, and this is before I started making money with Amazon, is you need to come to an understanding where whether you have the money, if you've got the money, great. If you haven't got the money, cool, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? You really, once you get to, once you put your emotions into it too much, like, you, it actually limits you from making money. Like, it stops you making money because you're so emotional, because you're so tied up in it, because you think it's going to change your life, all this kind of stuff. Because of that, because you've got that mindset, it actually stops you from making money. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I know a lot of people that the money is just so important to them and they're like, and not because of, you know, they're going to help people and stuff, because they want to buy this and they want to buy that. Like, since I've made this money, I've hardly spent, I've hardly spent any of it. Like, I've spent a fraction of it, to be honest with you. Uh, a couple trips here and there and uh, a couple things for the house but not not really anything of note like a, not like a you know a massive car and the other thing with that as well is that because I don't need it that much I don't mind investing as much as possible into stock so the amount of stock I've got is crazy like it's a crazy amount like it it could be up to it's between fifty and hundred grand I know that but I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly on the numbers which I should, I should know to be honest but it's, I've got a crazy amount of, amount of stuff in stock but 
great thing. It's not even in stock in my house. It's stock at the Amazon warehouse, um, which is great. So like, yeah, it's just you know, it's just it's just a big, uh, it's just a big learning experience. So, but that's what I'm saying. So, if you get away from your kind of need for money, it just opens the door for it to come to you. You know, just do things you like, and that's why like I can do stuff like this podcast and I can give my all to it because I'm able. You know, I've got a bit more freedom now because of you know the money's coming in. Obviously, touch wood, man. This this might not last forever. Um, but then for me now, I guess the the thing going forward really is just diversifying, investing, and that's that's why I say that I'm not anywhere yet because I'm still on a journey. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm still on that journey. So hopefully, you lot can ride with me, um, and I can just give as much advice. I'm not really gonna do another podcast like this. Maybe I'll do one a year. Uh, if hopefully I'll be consistent even um, but I'm not going to do a podcast every week where I'm like oh yeah I did this I did that it's, it might maybe once a year I'll tell you the results or I don't know whatever I don't even like really talking numbers but it's part of the story isn't it um, so yeah so it's been a great uh, two years the whole journey's been good business wise ups and downs whatever so now I'm at a point where well I would say it's not it's funny because it's not it's not really fulfilling in the way you'd think like to for the business to pop off and be successful it's not it's great like i love it but it's not the be all and end all do you know what i'm saying and that's why i really wanted to give something back and give some advice if i can if you want it um and i've also been training people on the side and you know advising people to get into it like basically everyone i know i'm telling them yo you need to get involved so there's a lot of people there's about 10 people around me who have jumped on board this couple of them making money, couple of them just getting started, whatever. But, you know, I'm it's not it's not a thing where I'm just like saying do it. I'm I mean I am <laughs> I'm just saying do it. But like I, I really want people to get involved man because I think I think it's a great opportunity to make money. And if it's not this, look for something else. Look for something learn something. Become good at something that you can do and that you can teach people to do. Do you know what I'm saying? So so yeah man. So anyway, that's it man. That's the whole story. I can't believe I got through it. That's a long podcast. If you're still with me, man, ratings, like, well done to you. Hopefully it helps you. Hopefully it gives you some something to chew on, some some good information. That's an hour and a half, like, it's over an hour and a half. But I know, like, the, the, there's a lot of podcasts that are quite long, Joe Romans and all that. So, listen, a lot of people, people say about the length of the podcast and all that, but I just want to put the information out there. If, you, if you're interested in it and if you want to hear it, um, hear it, then you'll listen to it. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you're serious about your thing, then you'll take. If if this helps you one percent, you know, you could have you could have uh, watched a movie. You could have listened to this. What's gonna What's gonna give you more help in your life? Probably without blowing my own home. Might it might be me? Do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm giving you direct information. Movies taking up your time. And nothing wrong with movies. I watch movies as well. But I'm just saying it's good to balance it out. So yeah, hopefully you you've, you know you're still with me in that. But if you're not, well, you never hear this, innit? So it doesn't matter. But <laughs> but if you're with me, well done. And, you know, let me know as well. Like, let me know. If there's any questions you've got um, to do with Amazon, to do with anything I've talked about or anything you want to know about or you want me to look into or whatever, just uh, drop a message. I think SoundCloud does that. And let me know how you get on, man, if, if this has inspired you to get started on your own journey or, you know, take a new route in your journey or whatever or completely dismiss everything I said, whatever, I don't mind, like, let me know, let me know, I'm, I'm very interested, man, but anyway, until the next time, 
I will see you later and follow me on Instagram BD at BD B I Y I D. Cool. Peace. Love, peace, all that good stuff.